everybody, welcome to another episode of the Together for Equality podcast, a podcast created to provide insights and sharing ideas on how to build a more inclusive and equal society, be better professionals and build greater organizations. My name is Diana and I am a first year master's student at Catholic Lisbon. In today's episode, we will talk about Women on Boards, the first comprehensive study on women in corporate management based on an integrated approach. And to talk with us about all this, I am really excited to introduce to you Maria Zwangetsch, who is an assistant professor at ISEG and co-creator of this amazing project we will be talking about. A very warm welcome to you and thank you for being here with us today. Thank you, Diana. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for the invitation. And congratulations for the initiative and for promoting quality awareness. It's always exciting to see the new generation embracing the, this topic. Thank you. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, about your academic and professional path? Sure. So um, I was a student. Uh, here at, at ISEG. Uh, I did my degree in management and my MBA and a master in management uh, from ISEG, Lisbon School of Economics and Management. But when I studied, it was part of the Technical University of Lisbon and now uh, currently in the University of Lisbon. Then uh, I moved to London, to the UK, where I did um, a PhD in corporate finance uh, at Imperial College. And I returned to Portugal, and um, I've been um, a senior assistant professor at ISEG, uh, where I teach corporate governors, governance and other courses in accounting and finance. Uh, I'm also the co-coordinator of the PG management and the master's in accounting. Um, I'm also in the coordination team of XLab, which is a behavioral research lab at ISEG. Uh, with all this, um, what are my research interests? Uh, I have been developing work in the areas of performance and survival of companies through a multidisciplinary perspective, a multidisciplinary view, such as corporate governance, leadership, gender studies, equality, but also psychological and physiological elements of top managers because I, I believe that incorporating this multidisciplinary perspective will uh, allow uh, us to understand better the investment and financing decisions that top, manage, top managers have. So pursuing this research interest, um, I was coordinator of the, uh, the co-coordinator of the project, Women on Boards, which um, had um, three years of uh, this project which was with Sara Falcão-Casaca, with Susana Ramalho in March, and Nun Pass. The, the, the project was funded by FCTI and hosted by Sosis and Zeg. And um, this has been quite rewarding and um, giving us very interesting research results, which I believe we are going to talk today. Yeah, yes, yes. Um, I will um, read some of the topics you just mentioned. But before we diving into today's topic, um, I would like to start with the ritual we usually have on our podcast, and is that at the end of each podcast episode, 
um, our guest asks a question related to equality to our next guest. And in our last episode, we spoke with uh, Eunice Da Silva about women in science. And the question she left for you was, uh, in case you were a politician, what would be the measures you would propose to increase equality in today's society? Oui, uh, I'm hard, I can hardly picture myself as a politician. <laughs> I can help politicians. So um, as an academic, um, I can and I am working on the matter and I'm trying to promote equality awareness by investigating if, uh, whether gender equality uh, is related to firms' outcomes, how that can impact firms' outcomes. So my contribution will be to provide evidence to inspire politicians to, to adopt the, the measures and see how they work and how relevant the measures can be and I believe that um, we have already given some examples that can be inspired by uh, such measures um, but um, I will not be a good politician I believe <laughs> I prefer to, <laughs> to see empirical evidence <laughs> And, and, and about the, the project and the evidence you, you get, um, I wanted to ask how the idea to integrate the project came about. And if you have always been interested in, in understanding the effects of the a greater balance between women and men in government bodies, or monitoring policies that promote gender equality in companies. The project was inspired by Law 62 from 2017, August the 1st, that is commonly known as the Gender Quota Law. So this law came to, into, into place and established that should be a minimum threshold for men or women. So it's not a, a law for men or a law for women, it's a law for the underrepresented in the management and supervisory bodies and it's applied to the public listed companies and to the state um, owned companies so inspired by this law um Falcon Kazaka and I had already been thinking how to do uh, a project together to how to conciliate our uh, areas of expertise um, that are gender studies sociology and management so we saw in, in this project uh, sorry, in this law, uh, a good opportunity to bring um, our fields of interest together. And we saw good opportunities and challenges um, to be investigated because companies had to respond to this law. So how they were going to respond, how what is going to happen. So if it's just a numerical change or if it's a substantive change. So we thought this will be um, a good opportunity to, to, to explore the effects of the law. So we respond to a call of FCT, Fundação para Ciência e Tecnologia, and uh, proposed uh, the first comprehensive uh, study of, on women on board that uh, would be made in Portugal. And we proposed this innovative, integrative approach of several areas that were not, never explored together. So the project had several goals. So it's um, a project that had um, the, the intent to give us the full characterization of the profile of the men and women that are, are on the board and to look how the social dynamics of the boardroom and the respective outcomes were changing in the aftermath of the law. 
um, we, we achieved um, several interesting outputs, I believe. Uh, for example, we published um, Obontu, which is a fact sheet that tells us the numerical evolution of the representation of men and women on boards. So how, what is changing in terms of numbers? But we also had uh, other outputs that show us, for example, um, who are those persons that are now sitting on boards, if they are different from those that were already there. And uh, one of our latest outputs is the white book that uh, we launched uh, in December last year, um, where uh, amongst, amongst several things, we present some recommendations um, to pave the way towards gender equality. Okay, and uh, speaking about the white book, um, um, do you think by writing it made it possible for gender imbalance in the workplace become a priority to be addressed by the companies you were working with? And do you think that this book will also make other companies start addressing this issue? The, the companies that we were investigating were the ones that were part of the law, so the public listed companies and state-owned companies. So definitely they have to change something. So you have here a push towards the gender board representation. So I don't think that they made it a priority, but at least it was a big wake-up call that you had to do something and um, enable them to realize how far they were or not to have a gender balance board. But, but um, it's important to say that this gender is not, uh, this law is not um, directed to any sex in particular, but has the merit of uh, making the, the company have an impulse in that direction. So I believe that this law gives uh, an important uh, impulse to, towards gender parity in the board. And um, in, the, in the white book, as you were asking, um, they can, can get inspired how, how things change, can see how important it is to have a gender balance board. And we precisely try to show that there is numerical evidence how we are evolving to, to, towards the, the gender balance board. And we also um, give recommendations um, towards um, movement and we believe it can help speed up the movement in the in that direction um but the law is just not numerical so you know, it has more intention than that because just having numbers would not fit for companies so it has also and is less discussed in in, uh, in the media and in other outlets also has the obligation for companies to have um equality plan it's an opportunity for those companies to show how they are at the, the moment how they can go from there so at least it will give us like an auditing um, time for realize how things are in the current state of gender equality in companies and we give uh, some emphasis to that in the book as well so it's not just numbers that matters it's also having the policies place in the companies that help to achieve that equality. Okay, and in Portugal, how has this topic evolved? Well, I, I want to leave a positive note. We are not there yet, <laughs> but um, 
it, it's uh, it's we're going there. So it's not just um, a matter of justice. It's also a matter of doing the right thing. So women bring competencies and resources to companies, and that should not be ignored. But let's see how this is um, it's been shown in numbers. So uh, we can see that in the aftermath of the, the gender quota law, we saw that we are narrowing the, the gap, closing the gap towards the, the average of the European Union. For example, in 2021, when we compare the percentage of women on boards in the European Union and in Portugal, we see that in the European Union, the average is 30% and in Portugal is 28.1%. So we close. Nevertheless, not only we are still below the, the average of the European Union, but the numbers also show that both the average of the European Union and in Portugal, we are still far from the parity threshold, the 40%. So this shows that, yes, we are moving in the right direction, but still a, a road to go. And this happens because we have here almost two speeds of progress. So we have um, in, the, in the group of the, the that lead by example countries such as norway norway iceland or france where the, the representation of women on boards are near or even above the parity threshold but in contrasting evidence we have countries such as malta estonia or hungary where the the numbers are very very close and um, not some not even in the two digits um, not even reaching the two digits. So where are we? So we are um, in the close to the average, but that is um, important to note that we're not even. Uh, we have still companies that are be below the, the threshold that is established by law, the thirty-three point thirty-three percent. So okay. still not. We still have companies that do not comply with the law. So. This needs to be taken into consideration, but um, it's positive they are reaching that. In particular, if we compare um, the number of women on board that we had in 2003, it was 3.5%, with what we had in 2021, which is 28.1%, we see here yeah. the 25, almost 25%, percent, yeah, yeah. which is positive news. But when we start investigating this deep, deeper, we see that the picture is a bit less positive when it comes to the, the type of positions that, that we, women held on the boards. Because women are being mostly appointed to non-executive and supervisory roles. So we can say that in 2001, there was 37.8% um, uh, of women held, acting as non-executives but there was just 14.5% of women in executive positions. So these still show us that women are still a minority and preeminent positions. And if we look to 2021, there was one, only one woman serving as CEO. So the numbers here are not so positive. Nevertheless, now in 2022, there, um, there's positive developments and there are more women taking the position so it's a road that we still need to be in and, um, and, and what do you think are the, the the main problems why is that happening 
Ooh, there are lots of things that will be <laughs> lots of hours will stay here but let me choose two that i consider that are the most relevant and interesting probably i'll talk about visibility and conciliation i think that investors need to be aware need to understand that yes we have lots of women that are capable and talented and competent to take those top positions so when the firm needs to appoint a new board member it has to go beyond the traditional and established network what we usually call the old boys club so we need to move from that and women have to be granted access to those networks and when there's the need of a name come forward it has to be um, equally likely to be a man and a woman so women need to be there need to be part of that list need to be in the, the short list so women really need more visibility so women need to show that they are competent and that they want to be part of the upper echelon so they need to say i'm here i can i can do a good job uh, for example small things that can be started to be more um, promoted and um, gain more more importance is um, for example women join women networks women sponsor other women women monitoring and mentoring other women so that could help us to show there are more women visible for these positions then conciliation so firms need to 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 move past that idea that women have children and that they will know want they don't want to be in the top positions so what firms need to do is not look at this as something you'll never be um, different but with something that it has to be different so firms must create conditions to conciliate work uh, and family not only just not just for the top employees but for everyone in the company so that needs to be something um, companies should invest in and this should be for both men and women yeah. for example um, not having um, meetings scheduled for seven o'clock in the afternoon not um, having uh, the idea that uh, when someone when the kid needs to go to the doctor has to be a mother so from from the, the board members that uh, i've interviewed and uh, had um, um, investigated about i strongly feel that they both want to be part of the children's lives so that was very positive so that's uh, to show that both want to share the responsibilities and both believe that it's important to to be part of the family commitments so why not start to believe that we don't need to be in companies until 11 o'clock in the night to do a good job and uh, we should be happier conciliate family and uh, and, and career and uh, both men and women will want that for sure yeah um, I also wanted to, to ask, um, for example, two measures you would suggest um, for companies to implement in the recruitment process uh, and selection also, in order to avoid the male dominant and non-diversified recruitment. In theory, that should already be done, that should already <laughs> be in place, and if it's not, it's a concern. But maybe small things should, such as changing the mindset that are really male-dominant frameworks um, and things such as adopting um, an inclusive language when preparing the scripts for interviews 
that are not saying that to um, well in Portuguese it's even more clear so not just say it is the the male president but the president not calling the chairman but calling the chairperson will yeah. immediately show that we are looking for the most competent person no matter it's a woman or a man so adopting inclusive language and having a open mind to to the talents the person brings irrespectively if it's a man or woman will start making a difference and i'm sure that if a company uh, approaches a recruitment firm says i want a man for this job that will not be seen as uh, something acceptable and the recruitment companies will immediately um have here a big uh, alert that something is not uh, fine with that company and will not uh, accept or will show that they're equally uh, capable person no matter yeah uh, one interesting thing i was reading in uh, carolina criado perez book um was the um, sometimes even just the job application the way it's written is already like towards men and uh, women even don't apply to, to that job just because it was written in a certain way. Yeah, so if you say in Portuguese, engenheiro, that's yeah. wrong. So engenheiro, flash, engenheira. And that yeah. makes all the difference in the first stage of the process. That, that That's what I recommend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and not only to, talking about uh, recruitment, uh, what other measures and consider, considerations did you suggest on the white book? We have many suggestions, for example, extending the, the law to not just the firms that are currently part of the law, but, but that, that needs to be done appropriately. So we need to consider that the other firms are smaller, um, sometimes I've been struggling with um, uh, having access to, to, to resources and finance. So the measures should be adapted for reality, uh, the reality of those companies. But it's important that it's extended for those companies too, because all companies should have um, in consideration that um, it's not okay to have uh, uh, practices that impact women to, to, to reach the top positions. So extending to other type of firms, it's, it's a way, especially because a legislation has proved to, to, to speed up the process. So if we leave to the society to, to correct these inequalities, maybe we have to wait many decades. So we can afford to, to leave um, uh, so many years to correct it. So, um, and then we can show that by having this, um, this gender, the, the gender balance in boards and anywhere in the company, it, it's a matter of um, looking for the right benefits for the company. So um, what we see now is a decreasing concern in the, this uh, in sustainability and having companies doing what it's right. So having gender equality is doing what it's right for the business and for the society. So yeah. um, th that could be a, a way to, to, for firms to see how this will benefit them. As you mentioned in the beginning, you are also part of the X-Lab, the Behavioral Research Lab Coordination Team. And based on your research findings, what do you think would be interesting uh, for universities like ours to try 
out to promote and raise awareness for equality. Because, for example, in Together for Equality, the podcast in the club, Equality in Business, we only have uh, girls at this moment. Why is that? <laughs> How can we find it? I'm not surprised, but it will change. Yeah, universities are meant to be a space for freedom and changing ideas and promoting this type of um, concerns. So I think that um, professors, students, and all this stuff have um, a pivotal role, an essential role to prepare students. So they have, they need to have the technical skills, but also the soft skills to embrace this. So universities can start including in their courses awareness for these subjects by showing the with the unequivocal evidence how companies can benefit from from this and um, how society can benefit from this and it's not surprising that um, now there's a concern that the firms are not just meant or the purpose of firms are not just to have profit but is to deliver results to a vast variety of stakeholders so this has to be part of the concerns of the companies and universities can start raising awareness of that including topics that are um, or at least uh, mentioned this um, in, the, in the syllabus so this is interesting and i have of course a corporate governance where i explore this um, we, we explore this always showing the scientific evidence and then we always leave debate space for debate and discussion of ideas and it's always a very enriching space when I learn a lot from students and from their perspective and um, I realized that things are going to change their mentality they, they they're really trying to make this um, a better place so I hope they continue with that um, so it's it's an important that universities are prepared to embrace this and I think they are so most universities yeah. now are embracing the, the SDGs and other things at least there's a start we are yes. we are not ignoring that anymore I, I think sometimes what what is missing is more empirical evidence on why it's good like the results of doing that and that's sometimes yeah, that's yeah. what I try to do the reference with the status exactly. and showing. And I show, I show both evidence against and uh, for. So yeah. numbers um, should tell us or help us to choose the way and how firms, should, firms and universities should, should be placed. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, we are reaching uh, the end of today's episode. Uh, and before we say goodbye to you, we would like you to take part in our ritual. So I'll ask you a question that we would like to be seen answered by our next um, guest. Okay, so as a university professor, I'm always very receptive to see how persons that are not in academia or even the academia can bring new ideas. So I would leave here a question that is, what more can be done in universities to raise awareness for gender equality and our okay, equality in general? That's a great question. <laughs> I am looking forward to the answer. Our next <laughs> guest will have. And, and thank you so much for your time and all the, the valuable insights you shared. Um, it was a pleasure having you here with us today. Um, and feel free to always reach out to us on our social media accounts. 
you'll find us under the name Equality in Business on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Looking forward to talking to you in two weeks. And until then, stay healthy and safe.